Hey everybody, Coach John Daly here, uh, back again with a very, very special guest. Uh, today is Tuesday, June 12th, almost the end of the school year. Mr. Matt Smith is in the house, and he's got a smile <laughs> on his face since it is almost the end of the school year. And uh, if we had a video camera here, he looks very natural holding the microphone. Um, I'll, I'll let him tell you why. Uh, Matt, uh, a little bit about yourself. What do you teach here at, at Lakeshore? Uh, I'm the choir director here at the high school. Uh, I also direct the all-school musical, and I uh, am the coordinator for the auditorium. So I basically oversee all the performances that happen for the district uh, in our performance space. Wow, very good. How long have you been a teacher? Uh, this is the end of my fifth year here at Lakeshore. Uh, but I have been teaching for nine years now, so on and off, you know, different places and finally settled home. That's fantastic. And let me tell you, everybody, um, Matt, uh, he's become a good friend here, someone that we talk a lot, um, we, we bounce ideas off each other, we bounce frustrations off each other, <laughs> um, we console each other sometimes, too. Uh, but I remember uh, the first time at graduation that I saw uh, Matt in his choir perform, which is really cool because during graduation, uh, the senior members of choir and band kind of sit up toward the front and they go with their respective groups to help perform during the ceremony. And I remember watching Matt uh, get into it from the standpoint of just that raw emotion. And I had also um, heard and seen plenty of examples with students uh, mentioning, uh, whether they're blog posts or you know, a little summary things about uh, who made a big difference, and, and Matt Smith's name came up so many times. So, Matt, you got a lot of great things going for you. How'd you get started uh, in in education? Um, you know, where'd you grow up? First of all, why don't you give us a little background? Oh boy. Uh, well, thank you for all those awesome, kind words. Uh, very true, very my friend. Uh, well, I grew up in Rochester, uh, Michigan, and then uh, I went through the Rochester schools, and I graduated from uh, Adams High School way back in... You know, uh, <laughs> Thanks for making me feel better, my friend. <laughs> um, and then, uh, you know, I, I grew up in music. Uh, you know, I grew up playing the piano from a very young age. Um, and then in middle school, I joined... Uh, I was in band because you had to choose either choir or band. Um, and so then I chose band because well, that was just the easier thing for me at that point. And then along came a girl in my eighth grade year, and then I joined choir. So there was a, there was the motivation there, you know. Yes, the truth comes <laughs> yeah. out. Um, and uh, ever since then, I haven't looked back. Uh, in high school, I still participated in choir and band, um, but I was also uh, maintaining uh, being a varsity athlete, which was mm. a fun balance as well. Mm. Um, and then I went on uh, after I graduated from high school. I went on to Western Michigan. Uh, I started as a music major there, a performance major and an ed major, and then I changed my major. Um, there was quite a story there. Uh, maybe we'll get to that later. Uh, and then uh, transferred to Oakland University, finished my degrees. Uh, I ended up getting back into music, obviously, uh, and finished my performance and my ed degrees um, at Oakland University, and then I uh, have been teaching ever since. That's fantastic. I think we need to go back and talk about that. Uh, story because uh, for our listeners, uh, Matt came in and shared uh, his story and a lot of great advice and a lot of great pointers uh, with my leadership class uh, just a few short weeks ago with our seniors, and just a very very intriguing story. And I love the fact uh, that you know we work with people, we kind of get to know them, but we still don't know their story. And everyone's got a story to share. Um, 
it's usually just not the one that we openly share with everybody. Um, John O'Leary says that all the time. And so, Matt, you had um, quite a little, whether call it a brick wall or kind of a moment uh, where you really, you were literally looking in the mirror from what I remember, <laughs> yeah. uh, which we all need to do, but he was literally looking in the mirror when um, you had this kind of, this thought pop into your head and it really kind of threw you for a loop and it was a big curveball that you had to overcome. Why don't you share that if, you, if you're able to? Yeah, yeah, it was... Um it, it was really tough. I mean, I still remember it so vividly, like, a, like just a, a snapshot in my brain I'll never forget. Uh, one day uh, in my, my second year there at Western Michigan, uh, I was brushing my teeth in the morning, looking myself in the mirror, the usual, you know, you just stare yourself in the in the soulless, empty eyes of the early morning before an 8 a.m. class. And um, I realized that I had never made the decision to be a music major or a music teacher I never made that decision for myself. Mm. Um, growing up in the arts um, and always performing, you know, and, and being successful, people are always telling you, "Oh, this is what you should do. This is what you should do. Oh, you're so great." You know, yada yada yada. And I just, you know, you're told that enough times that you believe it before you even thinking for yourself. And so when I had that realization of, "Oh my gosh, I never chose this for myself. This was, you know, oh, oh, you know." And then I would put myself into a panic and realize, you know, oh my gosh, what am I doing? Am I wasting all my time, all this energy? Is this really what I want to do? Who am I? You know, the whole self-exploration. Um, so then I decided, okay, if music really is meant for me, if I'm meant for music, um, then we'll come back together. Um, so I changed my major to business. Uh, I stayed at Western, finished that second year, and then that's when I transferred to Oakland because the business school at that time was better and it was less expensive and I could live at home for free. <laughs> Smart check, man. check, 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 you know. <laughs> um, and so then I was doing business. That wasn't working out. And then there was the economics. That wasn't working out. And then there was the hotel management. And then there was communications. And there was, you know, it just, it just kept surfing around and trying to find where I was going to be happiest. Um, and then I got involved in, in singing in the choirs at Oakland University with uh, Dr. Mike Mitchell. Um, and I was the only non-music major in their top ensemble, mm. which was a, a, an interesting wow. experience. It, it was kind of like the outcast at first because nobody knew who I was and who's, you know, getting the looks and the glances over the shoulders and, you know, who is this guy and who does he think he is? He doesn't belong here, you know, kind of deal. Interesting. Um, but then, I, you know, I've obviously I, I proved my worth and, and my value. Um, and through that experience of being in choir at Oakland with Dr. Mitchell and, and everything, uh, who took me under his wing and helped me through a lot of things, even though I wasn't a music major at that point, was still helping me. Mm. Um, I, I found music and realized that it was for me, and this is where I really tru truly belonged as a, as a professional and as a person where I wanted to spend my life uh, performing and educating children through music. That's fantastic. And I, and I look back on that story and trying to empathize with uh, what you went through, brushing your teeth. You never knew brushing your teeth would be... That uh, <laughs> eye-opening, that painful, whatever you want to call it, that was pretty scary for you, I would imagine, when that happened. Uh, it was terrifying. You know, it was it was terrifying, but it was also freeing because mm. at the first, you know, at that moment, I was finally making a decision for myself. Amazing. You know, that that moment of clarity. I mean, and I think, and that's what caused the terror. Really, was the you know, oh my gosh, I spent all this time doing this. And now I've spent two years in college and spent all this money and scholarships and, and whatnot. And did I just lose two years of my life 
you know, in terms of education, you know, am I going to be that far behind? And um, it really was just, it was just terrifying. So, oh my gosh, then what am I going to do? Because you've had your mind set for so long and then all of a sudden it's like the rug got pulled out from underneath your feet. And, um, but you know, then once I was able to settle down and then I was like, okay, had my rationale set in, well, let's try this and then try this and I will find my way. I will find what makes me happy. I will find where I want to be. And 13 degrees later. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Enough credits to have enough yeah. those, you know, geez. Love that. What was it about, um, you, you had two professors, uh, one from Oakland, one from Western, mm-hmm. especially the one from Oakland that you just talked about. Why did he reach out? What, what was it about the connection that you had with him? Because, like you said, you're an outsider. He saw something in you. Mm-hmm. Was there a connection with the two professors at the two schools? Or it's amazing when people walk into your life. I just want to hear you touch upon the fact of, uh, you know, the difference makers that, that these two were. Uh, well, it, it, uh, Dr. Mitchell from Oakland uh, was was connected with Dr. Miller from Western, who was my, my professor at... Uh, at Western, and when I had told Dr. Miller that I was dropping music as a major, and that you know I was just if I needed to find myself, and it wasn't for me, and everything, he was just he was just so shocked and so surprised, and he just he would he wasn't going to let me do. It. He didn't want me to, but he understood and respected it, and you know, gave me that support. And he said that he'd always be there, and. When I then later told him that I was transferring to Oakland because he and I stayed in touch through that year, he then took it upon himself to reach out to Dr. Miller, I mean Dr. Mitchell, at Oakland, and said, "You need to reach out and find this young man and keep him in your choirs, and you need to, you know, take care of him. He's he's an extraordinary young man, and, you know. It, it was just it, it's some it's so humbling just to hear think of him saying those words about me because he's such a phenomenal and inspiring and." Uh, inspiring man himself absolutely um so then yeah dr mitchell then you know sought me out and i auditioned and i joined the choir and and he kind of made me his personal project Mm -hmm. and he he just he was relentless in his pursuit but never made it seem like he was pursuing me Mm -hmm. you know it was very he was very good at you know connecting to me and supporting me and helping me and showing me where I really needed to be. That's awesome, because I have a similar story. Dr. Wells Cook uh, at Central Michigan um, was next to my parents, the biggest difference maker in my life as, mm-hmm. as far as being becoming a, a business teacher. And there was plenty of moments, and I, I bet you, you felt this too, where you thought Dr. Mitchell, you were the only person he was working with. Mm-hmm. I thought the same thing of, of Dr. Cook, but then obviously reality, you know, I see him working with others. And then after I graduated, heard stories of the impact he had with others after he died same thing I read the tributes so it's amazing people like that um, that can make you feel like you're the only one in the world they're working with mm-hmm. but yet you know they're making a huge difference uh, with with others and in the speech that you gave to um, uh, my seniors I, I wrote down some notes and you said I want to be him <laughs> and so how much how much you think of him and how much um, has he helped inspire you to do what you do day in and day out with the kids that you have? I mean, it, there's not a day that goes by that I don't think about him or I'm not thankful for what he showed me or what he taught me or what he inspired me to be. Um, it's, you know, I wouldn't be the educator um, 
that I am today without him. And it it really is it's amazing because people that have seen him conduct a group and they've seen me conduct a group, they say, "Oh, you you were a student of Dr. Mitchell. We can tell <laughs> by the way you conduct and in your That's style awesome. and the way you connect to your kids. They say it's just you know you are a product of Dr. Mitchell, which is you know a, a very high honor. And I take the, I don't take that lightly, but it you know it, it it's it's so humbling and it's such a pleasure to have that kind of connection synonymous with his name. That's awesome. And so that I love how that drives you every day to make a difference with your kids. Uh, because you do, like I said, you, you've made such an impact on these kids that I hear about, read about, uh, and so you need to keep doing that, whatever whatever you're doing. Um, also, real quick, just wondering, looking back when, in your story when you said you were a varsity athlete, mm-hmm. um, was there ever a time where the critics, because you, you, you weren't fully part of either group, and, and there's there's a lot of groups growing up in, in high school, middle school, high school, whatever, that age group that... Um, are, are really polar opposites. Mm-hmm. You know, varsity athletics and the arts, you know, sometimes you don't see a bridge like you were between the two of them. Right. What did um, going through that, both the good and the bad, help you with, with life? The critics, the, the people that, did you have to work harder? Did you, uh, did you have a couple good friends that stuck with you no matter what because, you know, they were just good friends? Or um, why did you stick with both? Because it, it's amazing that some people... I think a lot of people would say, hey, I'm picking one or the other. I can't, you know, do this. And I find that very intriguing because you don't see it too often. Yeah. Uh, well, it, it was just I loved them both. You mm. know, I, I still mm. I still love sports and I still love music, you know, and I'm still, you know, sports center every day, you know, and follow a lot of professional sports and amateur sports and everything. And um, I try to stay athletically uh, active. You know, um, because I find that having the diversity in my life keeps me fresh. Um, I don't want to get stale by any means, but I definitely enjoyed both. When I was in school, it was tough because, yeah, I wasn't fully accepted by either party. You know, um, I even had, you know, instances like after a season was over uh, in sports, I would have teammates, which is tough to call them teammates because, you know, at the time you're teammates, but then in the season, oh, I don't have to be nice to you anymore. We're not, we're not in our season anymore. Like, they would literally just tell you that. And it's like, okay, well, I guess that's the harsh truth, you know. But then again, so I was looked at, you know, by some of the athletes uh, as, you know, oh, just the, the choir arts kid who doesn't fully belong here. But then I was looked at by the arts kid as the dumb jock who doesn't belong with the art. You know what I mean? Like, it was just... Um, so there were those kind of challenges all the way through. But <clears throat> I definitely had friends that stuck with me um, no matter what. Um, a couple were athletes, a couple were the arts, and a couple weren't even involved in anything like that. And they were just kids that I grew up with. Uh, you know, like my best friend Tommy, who I grew up with since preschool, and he lived up the street from me and kind of deal. And so it was, you know, we, we always had those strong connections. So. That's awesome. And I, and I look back at the, the girl that you... Uh, followed into choir mm-hmm. uh, in eighth grade was it eighth grade think about if she wasn't there would you have made that leap would you have tried it probably not probably not because I remember I actually I had to because I had to leave eighth grade basketball practice to go audition for the uh, after school choir 
Was this High School Musical before High School, Mu- High School yeah. Musical? <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. Amazing. Troy, Troy Bolton before. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> I like that. That is hilarious. That is hilarious. And um, looking back at that young lady, did she ever know the impact that she had on you as far as did you ever talk about that? And let me ask the same about uh, Dr. Mitchell and Dr. Miller. Have you told them the impact that uh, that they've had on you? First, first the young lady. Uh, well, actually, no, I never did. Um, we've stayed in t- we're, we're connected on Facebook. Cool. Um, and you know, it, you know, she's very successful and very happy, and she's doing wonderful. And I've never told her, but maybe, maybe I should. I've never awesome. thought about that. That'd you be know, great. That'd be great. Um, it just, yeah, never even thought about that. Uh, but Dr. Mitchell, yeah, I, I thank him profusely mm. all the time just for the experiences and for not giving up and for inspiring mm. me and, and for making me the educator I am today because even then once I got in the program he challenged me and pushed me harder at times where I thought man you're not being fair you know and it's like it, I'm, I'm being successful I'm passing and, and all that kind of stuff but when you're being told that you aren't living up to your potential and to your expectations. And yes, I have a higher bar set for you than I have set for others. And when in, I won't accept anything less than that. Um, you know, keep me on my toes. So I thank him for that because while the time I get so angry and frustrated and say, "Who do you think you are?" and yada 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 yada, you know. Um, but uh, it, I look back and say, "Man, that was a, a really strong life lesson because it wasn't." about me it, it, it was about the, the process and about the, the long term and he could see that and you know he's so good at what he does that he knew what he had to do to get me there I love that, that uh, finding somebody that won't give up on you and it's uh, a theme I've kind of talked about before where there's plenty of times in life that you have to believe in someone else's belief in you mm-hmm. you know right. and uh, I know I had a, a talk with uh, one of our seniors Gabby Oh, yeah. And the impact that you had on her. And it, it very similar conversation to the point of how it sounds like that is one of the major traits that you took from him and you've applied to your kids where you don't let them give up. You, you, you see things in them that they don't see in themselves yet. Um, you raise that bar when, when things are going on that um, you know they can do better. You're letting them know. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're doing it in such a way where, they, you, don't, where you don't crush them, where you don't you know, kick them out the door and, you know, <laughs> give them ultimatums like, you know, that's, you're never coming back. And yeah. so is that definitely something, is that a big foundation block for you within your students? It, it really is. Um, but not to the point where I'm, I'm conscious of it. Mm. You know, it's just, it, it's natural. It, it, it's second nature, I guess, at this point. And I don't, I don't mean to sound like I'm bragging about it, no, but no. it's, I, I don't make the conscious decision. It's just that I fully believe in every single student I have, regardless of their talent or their um, their effort or you know or where they're coming from, because everyone's in a different situation. But um, I, I see the same potential in every single student that walks into my room. Love that. Love that. So you definitely have some musical-wise, you know they're going to do something with, you can see potential in them. It's a big part of their life. Right. And then you see others that, they're just there for the credit, or um, do you turn some of those kids around? Because the musical ones, the ones that have it in their heart, they're definitely. You've had probably kids for four years, mm-hmm. um, and then the other ones. Have you have you seen a couple? Is there an example you can share without sharing names if you want about a kid came in not wanting the class because of passion and had it in their heart, but afterwards they turned mm-hmm. around and they became that. Well, I, yeah, there's a. Uh 
there's a student that just graduated this year, and it, it she was a remarkable young lady, and, and she really is, and uh, very quiet and reserved and shy, and you know, first got involved because uh, her brother had come to the program, mm. um, and so then she got involved with the musical because she said, "Oh, okay, I saw the musical and it'd be fun." And we still remember the time when she was in eighth grade, and she came to see the choir concert. And I was talking to her and her brother and her father after the concert, and I said, "Are you joining choir next year?" And she was like, um, "I." And uh, and she she got very bashful and very and she and she gave me some kind of like oh, I don't know we'll see, you know very because um, it just you know it was so outside of her spectrum you know she wasn't and uh, but she she saw the kind of effect it had in her brother going through and so then she got involved in the musical. And I was just in relentless pursuit. Why haven't you joined choir? Why haven't you joined choir? Why haven't you joined? Every time I saw her, whether it was at rehearsal or the hallway, or she came in the room for lunch, you know, just why haven't you joined choir? Is it on your schedule yet? Is it on your schedule yet? And I finally broke her down. Um, and then she joined her junior year. And she just, you know, was, she wrote me a really long letter, a really heartfelt letter. Wow. And, uh, and, and in the letter it said, you know, that she had joined and, and, she was gonna just get through and not, you know, and and just have fun. But you know, she didn't expect to have as much come out of it as she did. And then uh, when she was able then to audition at the end of that year uh, for the top ensemble, she just figured she had nothing to lose, and she thought she'd try, and she did it. Um, and she made it into the chamber choir, and uh, she grew so much. And it was just fun to watch her grow as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also grow musically, where she got from the point of barely being able to stand in front of a group of people and get through her 16 bars of audition music for a musical to being in the in the, one of the top ensembles and not crying during audition and you know and you know just really being proud of herself and being able to do that um, and so much self discovery that she had through the process uh, was really really fun to watch and I knew that this experience would do that for her mm. if she just bought in. Um, and she really did. And it, she flourished and she did so well. And it was, it was hard to watch her go. It's always hard to watch the go. But, you know, when you have that kind of growth happen so quickly and so strongly for such an individual, um, it really is, it's, it's, it's hard to watch them go. Yeah, uh, Matt and I have talked about how difficult, and most people don't understand how difficult it is, uh, especially for high school teachers, to see year after year after year kids leaving yeah. because they've had a big impact on us we've been through stuff together whether it's stuff here at school um, they kind of know some stuff going on in your life especially when you're authentic with kids and besides you can't put much over on kids anyways they, they <laughs> see right through you uh, but the stuff that they've been through that you're there for and they come yeah. and talk to you And um, one quick thing I think it's uh, one of the podcasts I listen to uh, Brian Buffini one of the many I listen to he always asks his guess what is one of the skills that you don't have that you wish you did so I'm asking you that first but 80 90 percent of his guests always respond that they wish they could play music they wish they could play an instrument they wish they could perform and that that's a high percentage because it's mine too mm. you know as far as not going through um, I changed middle schools um, coming out of sixth grade I was excited to go to the public school because they had a music program and band, and I was going to join because I love music. Um, but then I went back to Our Lady Victory, a parochial school, a private school, and, you know, 
their music class was playing the recorders and <laughs> we had little performances and stuff but right. not not the thing that public school had and I look back and that's definitely a regret of mine so what is is there one skill that because it's not you know hey you're an athlete <laughs> and you're in the arts so there you've done a lot as far as what people you know oh, I wish you could play golf I wish you could hit a baseball I wish you could be in music you've done those things right so is there a skill that um that you currently don't have or you had maybe at one time that you lost that you'd like to have? Oh, my goodness. That's, that is a tough question. Um, well. Because he came I mean, in this morning, folks, fixing a sprinkler head. Uh, you know, at home. He had a geyser in his front yard, he told me this morning. And so I know he's handier than I am when it comes to household things. So maybe I, that's not one. I'm just learning as I go. You know, I, you know, each hurdle comes and you, and you, you either jump over it or you, you fall flat in your face and you hit the next hurdle. You know, it just is what it is. Um, but this is definitely, it's not the first sprinkler head I've had to fix. The first one I had to fix was a, <laughs> that was, that was an adventure. <laughs> How many? I think it was like four trips to the hardware store. There you was, go. You know, but now I've learned. But anyway, yeah. um, got a <laughs> skill. I yikes. Because <clears throat> you play. How many instruments do you play? Uh, proficiently, uh, I would say piano, drums, and French horn, um, and then learning guitar. You know, trying to teach myself guitar. So it's and then obviously voice. So is there one of those that maybe you haven't done yet that you want to? Um, well, I mean the. the the guitar, I really want to become stronger in the guitar, okay. by, by all means. You know, it's, I can barely get through a couple things on it. You know, that's something I need to be better at. Mm. Um, but, you know, having twin girls at home and, and all that kind of stuff, it's, it's hard to find the time. Absolutely. It's hard to find the time. You know what? You just touched upon a subject <laughs> I want to get into real quick uh, before we wrap up here. Uh, you have twin girls, like you yeah. said. Uh, how old are they? Uh, Ainsley and Zoe are 16 months old. How has this changed you? Oh, I, I, it just—it's it, made me such a better person. Mm. Um, it's made me a better man. It's made me a better teacher, um, a better husband, um, a better coworker. Because it makes me more sympathetic and understanding where other people are coming from that have children um, that I didn't quite understand at first. Because those are things that you don't understand until you go through it. You know the challenges and the time and balancing schedules and even though I mean even though we're not driving him to and from practice and all that kind of stuff right. but still having to have someone there for them all the time and trying to okay learning to say no to other commitments outside of school because I can't do it because I have the responsibility of being a dad first right you know Absolutely. Um, and how can I make this all work but it's it's amazing how scary the whole process is leading up to the birth you know um, and I remember you know when the girls came pretty early so I wasn't even fully prepared even then you know um, and I started freaking out once we got to the hospital thinking oh my gosh I'm not ready I'm, I haven't done this I haven't done this X Y and Z oh my gosh oh my gosh oh my gosh you know and just am I going to be a good dad am I going to ruin them am I going to break them you know am I going to drop a child you know like just all these things that you make you freak out and thinking oh my gosh and some of them are rational fears some of them are irrational you know um, but the second Ainsley was born she was born first um, the second I saw her, it just all went away. And the mm. natural instinct of love and care um, just take over. And that's it, that love is it, just something that you cannot explain, you cannot describe. There's No one fully understands it until they experience it themselves. Absolutely. And uh, that was leading my next question about did you ever it's, – it's, you can't imagine. People can tell you, you know, how to be a parent and things to do, things not to do. 
there's there's plenty of how-to books out there. You know, mm-hmm. I'm sure there's a Dads for Dummies book and uh, out there, but it's one of those <laughs> things that you got to write your own. You right. got to write your own manual. Yeah. And I remember because I have one daughter and a son, but to have two daughters, um, I can only imagine the, um, the the amount that your heart grows as soon as you see them. Like you oh, yeah. never knew it was possible. Yeah. Loving your wife is one thing. Okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's new, exciting, still growing. Okay, but uh, having a little, two little girls, especially two little girls. Um, yeah. Are you going to be an overprotective dad, or do you already have some mindsets? <laughs> because let me tell you, uh, it really hit me hard when you know teaching high school all these years. My my two kids were always younger for a, a long time mm-hmm. than the kids I worked with, mm. but then they became high schoolers. Right. And then I saw things and. It, put a little pressure on me from the standpoint of uh, dealing with, especially my daughter, uh, being a father of a, of a girl, uh, do you have it in mind on how, uh, you know, are you going to be grilling the boys as they come over? Are you going to be like, who are you with now? And is there uh, kind of these foreshadowing thoughts in the future? <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I have thought about it and it's terrifying. You know, it is very terrifying. Um, but I'm going to try to not be too hard on the guys. You know, because you don't have a gun collection, do you? No, okay. no, no, no gun collection. <laughs> but I will have one single bullet that I, can, <laughs> that I can just throw at the young man and say that speeds up at ten thirty. You know, or whatever you know, and and hopefully he catches the drift. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, it, it is terrifying, but I'm excited. Um, yes. Because outside of teaching, I also do wedding photography in the summers. Dang. Um, and I watch these. You know, I watch these weddings week after week after week. You know, and seeing these fathers give their daughters away oh. it's it's so different like this it was so funny because what six months after the girls were born i shot my first wedding after the girls were born and i watched this dad give his daughter away and i just lost I, it oh i was just God. how do you and it not was like, and i was just because i was instantly thinking oh my gosh i'm not ready to do that <laughs> you know i'm not gonna be ready to do that when they do that when they're 47 years old because they're not gonna start dating till they're 30 um but uh you know it, it's just I look forward to it. I'm going to try to not be too overprotective, but I won't let anything happen to him. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. It's funny you mentioned that about the wedding. And, yeah, being kind of a wedding photographer, too, is they're amazing. <laughs> um, seeing those weddings and, and start thinking. The second Caitlin was born, my daughter, I thought about that wedding day. And I was, you know, balling even more after yeah. that, knowing that it was coming. Um, and she, she just turned 22. Uh, no wedding in the future, which is good for now. Um, but I just remember looking at that time, then remembering, hey, geez, Christmas, she, she was just born. Let it, don't get worked up about this. But let me tell you, she's 22. And it's just uh, one of those things that um, the, time has, the time has come by uh, so fast, so fast. And yeah. it's just it's a blink of an eye. And so I know, you know it's been a blink of an eye for the first year for you too, right? Yeah, it, it's crazy. It really, it just, you look at them and it's, you know, the little people, you know, they're walking and running and, and communicating, you know, yes. and, and and just, you know, 16 months ago, they were just born. And it's like yes. so much has happened in 16 months to think what's going to happen in 16 years. I just, ugh. That's amazing. I, it's terrifying but exciting. Yes. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, what a great place to end this first session because I know we got to have a second one and more. I can't wait. Uh, I find you extremely interesting, extremely inspiring, um, and to the point of not only can I see the kids, your students getting a lot from you, 
um, fellow staff members get a lot from you too. And you're, you're definitely a teacher. And it's one of those things I think I wrote down, um, always a teacher. That, that's kind of what you want to see written about you as you go through life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you are always a teacher. I love that. Thank you. I appreciate it. I mean, I love being here, and I've, I'll do this as many times as we can. I love That's having conversations great. with you. This is great. <laughs> yeah, I love this. Okay, everybody. Hey, hope you enjoyed that. Uh, again, Matt will come on uh, some other time in the future. Um, Dr. Jeff Lipp is giving me pressure to pressure him to. i got to get in touch with there him. There he is. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Dr. Lipp, ex- I, will, I will call you, I promise. Yeah, that wasn't the exact <laughs> words you told me about it when, I, when we talked uh, early in the week, um, but I wasn't going to convey those exact yeah, words. Right. <laughs> But I hope everybody enjoyed this. I certainly did. What a great start to my day here. Uh, This is Coach John Daly signing off. You guys have a fantastic day. See you.